0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're talking week one reaction and waiver wire plays on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz, and of course, we are absolutely pumped up. Well, we are recording this Monday Night Football is on. We have results populating the Monday re- t- Monday review tool up at Rotoviz. We are ready to get after the 2022 season. Curtis, how are you?
2: Feels good to be back in the swing of it, man. It was really awesome to see uh, a full slate of football games on Sunday, and uh, I'm still kind of flying high from that that Thursday night uh, showing by by Buffalo. I mean, it really kicked the week off to <laughs> an exciting um, uh, crescendo that just hasn't stopped since then. Uh, just keep, keeps on building. We've even got the Seahawks in action green uh, tonight, <laughs> which is always always a fan favorite. So, yeah, man, we, we want to kind of just go over some of the interesting developments, you know, that have already come to pass in in week one for week two waivers. And uh, we've got a little bit of player of the week celebration to do. And uh, I I mean, there's just so much to break down, Dave. We'll hit the highlights so people can keep it applicable uh, for whatever format they're playing in uh, where they may need to make some transactions or some decisions and uh, come out victorious in week two.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because uh, I'll just say, if you want to get a breakdown in more in-depth across all of the games, uh, Sean and Column are doing instant reaction episodes for OT, which are awesome. And then Blair and Hassan also do the Rotoviz report, which you can get uh, on the yep. podcast or on YouTube with a really fun breakdown of all of the action as well. But Curtis, you know what it's time for, sir? The fantasy player of the Uh, week i've been waiting uh, a long time now to break out that drop it feels good do us the honors of sharing who we've well i kind of picked this guy you're forced to talk about him now but i think that's going to be easy (laughs) because this week one player of the week is
2: oh it's it's the revelation himself man uh the original quadzilla saquon Barkley. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was awesome to see him back out there, you know, looking fully healthy, just totally explosive. Looks like he was shot out of a cannon, you know, decisive, um, dynamic, a- everything that we remember him to be from that rookie season where, you know, he came in and, and didn't disappoint after being one of the best running back prospects of the, the previous several years out of Penn State at that point. So Saquon rings up, uh, just astounding numbers uh, and an exciting brian Dayball designed offense i mean 18 rushing attempts for 164 yards that's 9.1 rushing yards per attempt uh did have a rushing touchdown also had seven targets and a 33.3 percent team target share uh turned that into six uh, receptions for 30 yards unfortunately did have a fumble uh we don't uh worry too much about that because of just how incredible he was in all other aspects of the game. 33.4 PPR points. And then for those of you who are wondering, what does that mean in terms of underdog? It's 30.4 fantasy points in in that half uh, PPR format. Dave, anything to add there on Saquon other than just, it's great to see him back at the top of his game.
1: Yeah, no, that that really is it. Saquon is going to be a huge difference maker on teams this year. And I think that, uh, you know, Sean wrote a piece today that was called don't underreact. Uh, you know, a lot of times people are inclined to fade the first game, but I think there was a ton of signal there that Saquon is going to be back to what we saw from him earlier on in his career. So we're super pumped about that. But... Not sure how applicable that sound effect is to this, but we're going to hit the waiver wire, (laughs) Curtis, because obviously Saquon was not the only player that made an impact. Now, when you talk about the waiver wire, it's hard to know exactly what type of players are available because our listeners play in so many different leagues across so many different formats. But we talked about it a little bit. There were a couple of guys that we identified that we want to lay out here. As is always the case, you've got to talk about some of the running backs that emerge as early as Week One. What do we have, Curtis?
2: Well, we've got three guys. I mean, there, there's probably more than than these three, um, and particularly if you're playing in, you know, a, a casual league that's, you know, not with a bunch of other guys that are listening to Rodoviz and, and drafting all offseason season long. Um, but the three that we think would be available in leagues where maybe our listeners are are playing would be Jeff Wilson, Jalen Warren, and Rex Burkhead, all interesting for different reasons. I'm in the Monday Review Tool, Dave, and this is a tool that we debuted, I think, last year, if yep. memory serves, and it's, and it's kind of evolved since it, it went onto the site. But if, if you're accustomed to waiting until Tuesday morning for all of our tools to populate, uh, we want to provide you with some encouragement and some opportunities to start thinking about your next week plays a little earlier. And so it's right there at the top of our toolbar on Rotoviz.com. The very first tab that you can, you can click on is called Monday Review. And it's just basically the dirty dump of all the data that we get uh, from the games that have occurred up until the point of Monday Night Football. Um, you have all of the most important statistical categories, including some uh, leading indicator metrics, too. I mean, obviously, you've got your rushing attempts and rushing yards and, and your targets and, and things like that. But we do also have air yards, air yard share. We've got YAC and ADOT. Uh, expected points added. So it's, it's a little bit of a, a deeper cut than just the, you know, the descriptive uh, statistical, you know, production categories, which is cool. Um, so with Jeff Wilson, Rex Burkhead, and Jalen Warren, you know, Jeff Wilson is in that San Francisco rushing attack that's been so productive um, for the duration of Kyle Shanahan and his dad's uh, coaching careers. And unfortunately, uh, Elijah Mitchell is going to be out uh, for a bit. And, you know, Jeff Wilson has been extremely productive uh, when he's had 10 or more carries. I think, Dave, you and I talked about this a little bit last week yep. uh, in our final episode leading up to the regular season. I mean, he, he was really a priority end of draft player for us in the final month of the season once it became clear that he was healthy and had locked down that number two spot. I mean, he averages over 15 PPR per game when getting 10 or more carries uh, in, in a fairly reasonably large uh, uh, data sample. And that's again from the game splits app with Rex Burkhead. I mean, there's all the talk about um, Damian Pierce, and while Pierce did get 11 carries, I mean, Burkhead. I mean, Burkhead had the the really high value touches. Man, I mean, he had 14 rushing attempts. He didn't do much with them, uh, as expected. You know, just 2.9 a carry, but that was only 0.1 yards worse per carry than Damian Pierce managed. What Burkhead had that Pierce didn't eight targets man eight targets uh better than a fifth of his team uh target share did turn that into five receptions for 30 yards I mean that's highly usable man I mean it's 12 ppr it's flex worthy consideration if you're in a jam for week two and uh uh, you can kind of play both sides of that you know maybe somebody gets frustrated and kicks Damian Pierce to the curb a little early because of that you know, snoozer that he, he, uh, we didn't do the snoozer of the week, Dave.
1: Yeah, uh, I know for time you know, I figured we could cut it this year, but if <laughs> you'd like, yeah. I can play the, no. uh, I can play the sound effect <laughs> yeah, if needed.
2: Yeah. Just go ahead. Cause Damien. <laughs> yeah.
1: Can I just yeah, add in w- having- one thing that oh, I just looked yeah. up? That's insane. Um, eight targets at this point, not including Denver and Seattle, there was only about 30 wide receivers that got to eight targets in the whole week. So Rex Burkhead, that is not a bad, uh, target load. Alpha wide receiver, <laughs>
2: Rex Burkhead. Um, and then with Jalen Warren, you know, unfortunately we've got, uh, you know, a little bit of intrigue developing in the Pittsburgh backfield. You know, Najee Harris had, uh, the list, uh, midfoot issue, uh, that was kind of sprung upon us at the end. Um, <laughs> at the end of the preseason, all of a sudden we just found out that he'd been dealing with this issue for four or five weeks. And, you know, unfortunately, aggravates that injury. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a thankful or a, a non-thankful thing. I'm not a physical therapist or an orthopedic surgeon, but it was the same injury, at least. It wasn't the other foot, and we're not dealing with two feet now. Uh, but Jalen Warren did emerge as the number two back in Pittsburgh, you know, in that weird game with the Bengals, that the running backs actually didn't get too involved or too productive. So it's kind of unclear what the the – you know, the alpha role would look like if Jalen Warren continues to consolidate um, all of that moving forward. But uh, I would think at least for a week two, he would be a potential flex streamer option as I, you know, I think the Steelers, you know, coming off of that exciting win on the road in Cincinnati may feel like they're playing with house money a little bit. I'm sure they're not going to want to rush Najee back out there.
1: Yeah. So I think those are three running backs you could pay attention to. Then we've also got to talk about teams that could be looking for wide receivers. Now, it looks like there is going to be some availability in that Chargers wide receiver grouping due to Keenan Allen, uh, presumably missing some time. Now, it was kind of an odd way that things shook out for the Chargers in week one, where we saw just about every wide receiver on that team. Getting four targets. Uh, you can include Gerald Everett in there, our boy, who thankfully scored a touchdown. But you also saw yeah. DeAndre Carter put up 64 yards, yeah. uh, converted three of four targets and posted a touchdown. The other player, too, that uh you know some people have been talking about heading into the season that also becomes more attractive now is Josh Palmer. Now, if Keenan Allen were still around and we had seen a line like this for Carter, I don't think that I would put him too high up. On the priority, but keeping in mind now that there's going to be target share there for the taking, presumably, at least in the short term, that Justin Herbert was making some absolutely insane throws, and this should still be a good offense. I think that Carter becomes one of those guys you have to go after as well as Palmer if uh, those guys are available to you. Now, another name that's kind of interesting of a player that hit the ground running with a new quarterback yesterday was Curtis Samuel, uh, who scored pretty early in the game, I believe. And it's also noteworthy. Uh, Carson Wentz, actually, I think at this point in the week is the QB three with 27 points. Samuel, though, had 11 targets. That's a target share of nearly 27. Put up eight receptions, caught 73% of passes, had 55 receiving yards and a touchdown. And Curtis, he also rushed four times, adding 17 yards, came out to a 19 2.2 0.2 performance on the week so those are some other guys i would consider uh one thing our listeners might be curious about is if they are in a dynasty league do any of these guys profile as players you'd want to go after if you were looking for a dynasty waiver wire ad
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
2: Sure, you got to think about uh, the, the depth of the league. You know, if you're playing a Rotovis TriFlex Dynasty League over at myffpc.com, actually most of these guys, other than maybe Josh Palmer, are probably available uh, because, you know, we just came off of the cut down to, um, you know, to 20 players uh, entering the season. And so, you know, Samuel, I think in particular, uh, and, and that offense uh, would be an interesting ad. But in FFPC, it's also very difficult you know, to compete, you know, without a strong, you know, pair of running backs. And so I think you got you to gotta pick who you're going to prioritize. You know, we talked about Wilson, Burkhead, Warren. At this point, I'm kind of prioritizing Wilson. Uh, and then it would be Warren followed by Burkhead. Uh, we did bury the lead there just a little bit in Los Angeles. In addition to Carter and Palmer, you know, I think uh, not in tight end premium leagues, but in your traditional, you know, ESPN, Yahoo, Uh, casual leagues, I do think it's possible Gerald Everett might be available at tight end. Um, And with Keenan Allen missing some time, it's also possible that just maybe some of those underneath targets go his way uh, instead of, you know, to one of the other wide receivers. So Everett would certainly be worth kicking the tires on. It looks, you know, he, he matched both Carter and Palmer uh, in targets and also did have the touchdown. The only other names I would add that we didn't talk about that maybe had a surprising level, uh of of target activity you know michael thomas isn't going to be available um chris Olave is not going to be available but i don't know maybe in a shallow league maybe jarvis landry is i don't know you know he was a he was well into the double digits and man you know our boy just came (laughs) back with nine targets seven receptions over 100 yards uh was even involved down the field with a 41.4 air yard share for the saints You kidding me? 29-year-old downfield weapon, Jarvis Landry? I love it. Uh, he's realistically probably not available on waivers, but I'm sure somebody out there is in a league where, uh, where he is.
1: Yeah. I, I also wonder, too, you know, what you might be able to, all that you would need to give up to get for him in a trade. There might be some people out there that are going to be fairly inclined to part with Jarvis Landry. Uh, So I think that takes us through the waiver wire players. We talked about it quickly from a dynasty lens. Now we're going to try to quickly hit some game notes here. The thing that we're focusing on this season is try to keep these weekly episodes kind of tight. You can get in, get some of the information that you need, then get out. So we talked about the Giants and Saquon Barkley in the NFC East. The other story you have to talk about there, Curtis, is the Dallas Cowboys already a very unfortunate injury uh occurring? It looks like Dak Prescott could be out for 10 weeks, has a hand injury. The thing that I'll I'll remind owners or managers out there about is that sometimes injuries can tend to linger. There's there's ramifications even beyond when that player comes back. So things are not looking good for the Dallas Cowboys. I think that naturally this has an impact on all of the offensive players that you would have there. I have CD Lamb on a number of teams. I'm really worried about his prospects. You know, Cooper Rush is going to be in unless they can make some type of maneuver to get another passer in there, but Curtis, this is not good. I mean, the Cowboys stink, Dave. Yeah. The Cowboys Like I was worried oldest... even before the injury. <laughs> even before the injury, I was oh. I was I was sweating.
2: They, they they looked awful, man. And they're the only team that didn't score a touchdown so far uh, in Week One, uh, and you know it's not like Dak got injured in the first quarter. You know they stunk for most of the game yep. before Dak went out, and you know yeah. To your point, I mean CD is the one that I'm. You know I don't know if we have a panic button.
1: Drop we do button. actually, I think.
2: Yeah, you want to push it?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Um, it's been a <laughs> while, so uh oh, oh, yep, this is it. <laughs> Yeah, that's the it's time to panic button. Yeah,
2: man, CD and, and and you know he was supposed to just smash. He did get a great role, you know, eleven targets. Uh, yeah, plenty of opportunity. He caught two balls for twenty nine yards, uh, two for twenty nine, and and a, a must have game with with Prescott being back. It's finally his show. Amari's gone, Gallup's out. It's it's the CD Lamb hour, and just just nothing, man, um, just nothing. So. Uh, I would be worried even if Dak still was there because right. the idea with CD is that he was supposed to be so good that, you know, he could, he could be uh, the next Justin Jefferson or Cooper cup. And, you know, it was just the fact that there was another, you know, really deserving wide receiver there that was holding him back. Well, now he got the target activity, but you see all these other young star wide receivers busting out in some cases, even with other new teams like AJ Brown, CD's got the same quarterback can't get it done. So uh, don't like it. Looks like Dalton Schultz might be the release of through through one week might be the only uh, non bad investment so far in the, the Dallas offense. Um, so, you know, that was kind of a shock.
1: Yeah, it's bad. I mean, this team is very different than the one that we saw a couple of years ago that had an offensive line that was just tearing everybody down and just propelling everything in that offense forward. Uh, Another thing that I think we can talk about here quickly, uh, staying in the NFC East, is I mentioned the performance of Carson Wentz, but I also think it was really noticeable, notable the performance that we had from rookie Jahan Dotson putting up two receiving touchdowns in his first game in the NFL, uh, saw five touchdowns. Targets that was only 12.2% of the commanders passing targets, but still went for 40 yards. As I said, two touchdowns. He also did record a rushing attempt. Now, obviously, you could say, you know, that's not the greatest target volume, but we also saw Terry McLaurin get in the end zone. Um, as we mentioned, you know, it was a good game, too, for Curtis Samuel. So there's a lot of positives to take away, I think, across the board for the commanders. We even saw Antonio Gibson getting highly involved. Now it does look like Brian Robinson is going to be back at some point, but um, I think that the commanders have become a team. We have to start to pay some attention to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it might be uh, some of the parts type situation where, you know, late round Carson Wentz ends up being uh, you know, a bit of a, a a shock uh, on those best ball squads. And, and maybe Wentz is an interesting, you know, stash or a rescue opportunity. You know, if you did lose Dak Prescott, you know, Wentz might be a priority ad. Yeah. Uh, after seeing what happened there in, in week one, it's going to, I think, it's going to be difficult to trust uh, what we saw uh, this week from the offense in, in terms of feeling good about starting any of the guys moving forward. I mean, if obviously with what you paid for McLaurin, you're going to start him for another week or so, but I mean, he had less than a 10%, uh, 10% target share. It really was even between him and, and Dotson with four and five targets respectively. Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson were the team leaders in targets. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's that's what's interesting. It's almost like attack underneath to open up the deep ball, and then Wentz does throw a pretty nice deep ball. But you know that's not going to be you know a way to to make a living or or to set fantasy lineup. So you know I, I you know I need to see a little bit more. But I was highly encouraged by Wentz. You know for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Now, another player that we kind of have to talk about here, because I think that it's possible some people were hoping that we would say this player's name when we were talking through the priority targets on the waiver wire. But Dontrell Hilliard for the Tennessee Titans outscores the big fella, Derrick Henry, and does so by a pretty significant margin, largely thanks to two receiving touchdowns That came on four targets. Uh, It is worth noting that he only rushed twice and put up eight rushing yards. I would say that this was an exciting game. Great for people that got him on the back end of their best ball rosters. But this is probably not the type of thing that's going to be repeatable. Now, I know that there are signals you need to take away from week one, but this feels like one of those things that's going to be harder to carry week to week than others. Any disagreement on that statement?
2: No, I don't disagree. I would just, I wouldn't panic on on Henry. I mean, it was a very Henry-esque game. He had 21 rushing attempts. He just didn't get the touchdown. That's always the risk with going with the big fella. He doesn't, you know, he's never had a, a, a lot of target share there in the offense. And it looks like that's going to hold true again this year. You know, you're going to have to survive a couple bumps uh, with Derrick Henry and get through these games where he scores, you know, 8 to 10 PPR when he doesn't get in the end zone. But you're also going to get, you know, some 25 to 30 point games when he has those two and three uh, touchdown breakout weeks. So Hilliard, uh, yeah, I'm not picking him up in a managed league off of this performance. It's just six total opportunities and, you know, fluky situation with two touchdowns. But yeah, celebrate the best ball, uh, celebrate the best best ball shares after week one.
1: For sure. So in the AFC East, another team. Um, that had a player I wanted to talk about here. Devin DuVernay putting up two receiving touchdowns, 54 yards, caught all four of his targets. Rashad Bateman saw five. Mark Andrews led the team with seven. Bateman also found the end zone. Now, DuVernay might have been another name that people were hoping or thinking that we might talk about. Um, I think the challenge here is those two touchdowns on four targets, it's kind of the same fear that you might have with Dotson uh, or a player similar, which is those four targets are really unlikely to turn into anywhere near two touchdowns on a per game basis. We'd probably like to see more than four targets, uh, but it is somewhat encouraging. So if, if we wanted to just evaluate if he's the type of player that you would put on waivers, I could see you putting him in your waivers. I just don't know if I would give him the same type of priority as those guys that we mentioned for the Chargers, given the fact that they're going to have much more opportunity. We would expect on a weekly basis to contribute to your team.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you can put in a dynasty waiver claim for him. Probably not in our in our RotoViz triflex format. Uh, it's a little bit too skinny. But you play in some of these twenty-five plus man roster dynasty leagues, like many of us do. Uh, DuVernay may be out there lingering. Um, you know, he's, he's an interesting DFS play week to week uh, or or underdog uh, week to week best ball play, I think, moving forward. But you're not going to feel good about starting this guy yet. At the end of the day, I mean, he had, he had a minuscule air yard share in comparison to Bateman and, and Mark Andrews, as expected. You know, he, he, had, he popped, you know, with the third most valuable uh, receiving role on the team. But, you know, again... Don't think it's projectable. It was a little bit uh, also interesting that Isaiah likely did actually see four targets in this game, which was equal with Duvernay. And you just wonder if, you know, perhaps the matchup in this game favored Duvernay Duvernay, and, you know, in future matchups, it may favor uh, likely as that, that third uh, pass target there.
1: For sure. And just another note that I had from that game was Joe Flacco looked pretty terrible. So I thought it was, it's kind of encouraging (laughs) that, uh, (laughs) the Jets wide receivers were able to even accomplish what they did. It was good to see Garrett Wilson get in there, be a little shifty force some missed tackles. Excited to see what could come from there. But dude, we also got to talk about OJ Howard, a man that has been in Houston for about five seconds, scores two touchdowns uh, and puts up. Let me, let me get the actual total here. goes for 17.8 points. So, uh, two targets, converted both of them for 38 yards and two touchdowns. Absolutely insane. Fun to mention, but uh, you know, it's hard to believe that OJ Howard is going to sustain this.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he was even in doing so, he looked so dusty. I mean, this guy had basically just been kicked to the curb and recycled on multiple squads now this off season, but Hey, uh, it's just disappointing for people who were hoping the team would give Brevin and Jordan a chance. I mean, I guess they each got two targets in this game. I mean, this isn't projectable. This is exactly what people who drafted Mo Alley-Cox were, were right. hoping for. The, these low-target, uh, high-touchdown probability outcomes. So, I mean... It, it's tough because hopes were always so high for Howard, you know, with the pedigree that he brought into the league. And it seems like the the name brand tight ends uh, who come in from major colleges with the, with the high draft pedigree are guys that we can just never let go. They, if you have a name, you just always have a name uh, as long as you're in the league. And so, you know, this two touchdown performance will have Howard popping up in waiver wire articles all season long uh, as a desperation play. But I'm going to need to see you know, him, him emerges, you know, a clear number two target on this, you know, Houston squad before I give him serious consideration.
1: Definitely. All right. So the plan for the rest of the week is we will be recording Tuesday night, taking an early look at our game level, similarity projections, and then returning on Thursday nights to talk through some advanced stats, some wide receiver cornerback matchups, utilizing the variety of tools that we have at the site The final thing that I want to mention is remember fantasy football is not worth letting your entire weekends, your entire weeks, everything crumble under frustration. You play a hundred leagues, you start to realize just how hard it is to have, you know, teams that string together wins every week. Let it go. Take a deep breath and move on. Curtis, you have any other advice for, for our listeners?
2: No, nah, man, I'll save mine for the end of the week. That's how we do it around here. <laughs>
1: okay. Thank you for listening to the roto Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at davecabinff and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.